0: Well, good morning, Burton Memorial Baptist Church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord on this morning. Um, Just grateful and thankful uh, for the Lord um, and how he has blessed us on this morning, given us the opportunity uh, to come into his house and to worship him and to listen to his word. Amen. I do greet you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, who is indeed uh, the great and sovereign Shepherd uh, of the sheep. I do want to express my profound gratitude to your pastor, uh, Pastor Dallas, who has given me this gracious uh, invitation to preach uh, to the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, who uh, he is the under Shepherd. Uh, who Dallas, Pastor Dallas, is the under Shepherd of, and I'm just grateful and thankful. Uh, for his life and for his ministry. Um, last but not least, I do want to acknowledge and recognize uh, the prettiest, uh, most delightful uh, woman of my life. Uh, she is indeed the cream to my coffee and the icing to my cake. Uh, she is my all. i um, so thankful that I'm able to do life uh, with my wife, uh, Sister Sandy Joseph, who is in the back. Uh, with our kids, uh, Janina, Josiah, and Jairus, who is not here. He is in the nursery uh, with um, Sister Leah. Uh, so thankful once again. I also do want to uh, bring greetings from Watson Memorial Baptist Church uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, where I do have uh, the opportunity to serve alongside uh, our pastor, uh, Pastor Tucson Adams. If you can, I know we have been standing uh, for a while. If you can, just stand with me one more time for the reading of God's word. The text this morning is going to be coming from James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Once again, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And church, when you're there, can you just please uh, signify by saying amen? Amen. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You may be seated. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this day. Uh, just thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as a church Uh, to worship you, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. At this time, I pray that you fill me up with your Holy Spirit, that I preach beyond my preparation, and that I I preach in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Lord, please govern my thoughts, guide my heart, and guard my mouth from error. Lord, please that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters, allow me to put a tag on this text, what to do when you don't know what to do. Uh, What to do when you don't know what to do. It is an imperative for most employers to train a new hire. Most, if not all, jobs require that you go through some form of training in order to acclimate yourself with your new position. During this process, your employer may require you to get some classroom training before you get some on-the-job experience. You are introduced, perhaps you're introduced to some handbook that will familiarize yourself with rules, policies, or procedures for that company. And after you have been paired with an individual who is supposed to train you while you're on the job, it's probably a fellow worker or a supervisor. And their objective is to show you everything that you're supposed to do and everything that you're not supposed to do. Now, a good trainer will give you the freedom to ask questions or state concerns. And if you're like me, you typically don't have any questions or concerns or comments while you're going through this training because you haven't been put in a position that will prompt you to ask, what am I supposed to do? Yet once you have done your training, you are left to work on your own. And it's not until an issue arises at work that prompts you to respond accordingly. But unfortunately, You feel as if everything you have learned thus far has not adequately prepared you to respond to that situation. Brothers and sisters, we are often, this is the same scenario that happens in the Christian life. We live the Christian life at times where we are encountered with problems and predicaments in this life. And oftentimes we ask ourselves, what do I do? When it comes to God, he will answer you. And he will give you the wisdom in order to deal with your trials. And even though we find ourselves, brothers and sisters, in a conundrum, God will give us help. The Bible says that God is a very present help in a time of trouble. The Bible says that God will incline his ear to hear you. I'm thankful that we serve a God who sits high and looks low. And even though your life seems out of control, I just want to let you know that God is still in control. All that is going on in this world, economic deprivation, inflation, all of this has us in turmoil. Sometimes we ask ourselves, if we're honest, we ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? And Lord, what do I do? Because I do not know what to do. And it just seems like you can't catch a break. But I believe that God is up to something, even when we cannot fully comprehend what is going on in our lives. You see, desperate times calls for desperate measures. And sometimes we can get so comfortable in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ that God will send calamity and chaos in order for us to realign ourselves with his will. There's going to be some situations in your life well it will have you in a state of desperation. You will go through some seasons of disappointment and some seasons of despair and you'll ask yourself Lord What do I do because I don't know what to do? And it's okay to ask yourself this because we do not have all the answers to this life, all the answers to the complexities of this life because life is hard and life is complex and we need the wisdom of God in order for us to go through our trials. We live in a post, the Genesis 3 world. So we should not be surprised when we go through calamity and chaos. Some of us have probably lost some loved ones. Some of us have probably are going through some financial hardship. Some of us are dealing with some health crisis. But at the end of the day, we need to put our confidence and our hope in God. Many are dealing with depression, perhaps. Perhaps you're dealing with an anxiety That has you worrying day in and day out. Yet in spite of everything that we're going through, God has given us a way in order for us to respond to our trials. And this is where we find ourselves in the text this morning. We find this in uh, James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. Allow me to bring you up to speed. You see, the book of James was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And what James does, he, he, he espouses a, a holistic approach to Christianity. James, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins down five chapters in order to challenge his audience to have a consistent biblical Christianity that is concerned with every aspect of your life. God is not just concerned with our doctrine. He's also concerned with our deeds. God isn't just concerned at the fact that we can exegete a passage, but God is also concerned that we can exegete our hearts. We can quote the scriptures, but we cannot Allow it to permeate and transform our hearts. We can contend for the gospel, but why is it that we are contentious with one another? God wants consistency in our lives. And this is why the Bible says in the book of James, this very book, it says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer as well. And what James does is he opens up verses 1 by indicating the author and recipient of the letter. He writes to a Jewish Christian audience who had been dispersed throughout the nations. God, James was called by God to reach his own people in spite of what they were going through. And God the Spirit superintended the hand of James in order to encourage inform, and exhort these Jewish Christians. And James, he wastes no time and immediately gets to a pressing need that he wants to address in this letter. James addresses the purpose for trials for the believer. This is why the text says in verses 2 through 4, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In order for us to understand verses 5 through 8, we must see it in its context. You see, all of of us at some point with our walk with Christ will go through trials. It's not if I will go through trials, but it's rather when I will go through trials. And James wants us to understand that there are various different trials that we will go through. And sometimes we can be so preoccupied with what the devil is doing that we fail to see the sovereignty of God in our lives. It's not the devil that is always attacking us or always persecuting persecuting us. We must see the sovereignty of God working in our lives for the purpose of sanctification. God has a purpose for you and I. God has a purpose for his church. He wants us to be more conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are going through God's divine boot camp. And we must allow the external circumstances that are happening in our lives, we must see that through God's perspective. And this is why sometimes it's so hard for some of us To see the hand of God in the midst of our trials. We have to thrive in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will send calamity in order for us to realign ourselves with his will. God has some pruning to do in us. He wants to get rid of the residual nature of sin that we still have to deal with while we are in this life. And what trials will do, trials will drive us to our knees. And it will allow us, it will push us to pray. Because we will soon realize that there is no other hope in this life except for Christ. Christ. God has given us a means, a means to deal with our trials, and he has given us prayer. In order for us to receive the wisdom of God, we must go to God in prayer. And this is what we see in our text this morning. I would like to give you two counsels from this text that will encourage your hearts in the midst of tumultuous times. This is what we learn from these four verses. We learn that God will give you wisdom in order to deal and respond to your trials. Observe with me in verses five. The first counsel that James gives us is this. Pray pray for wisdom while acknowledging your need. Verse five says this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. James immediately identifies the need, but he also gives the remedy for our trials. Now, these are very interesting words that James utilizes a plain reading of this text in the English seem to indicate that James is signifying that there are some who have wisdom and that there are others who may need wisdom. But that's not what James is espousing. James is very strategic and tactful in his wording because he's giving his audience an opportunity to be honest with themselves And if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, no matter how long we have been walking with the Lord, no matter how long we've been serving in the local church, we will always need the wisdom of God in order to respond to the problems of this life. Sometimes we think that just because we have been a Christian for 10, 15, 20, or 30 years that we don't need anything else from him. Regardless of how long we've been walking with the Lord. We will always need the wisdom of God in this life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verses 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 says, do not think too highly of yourself. And even though we have been gripped, By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we still have to deal with our sinful inclinations. And this is why you will always need God to give you clarity, to give you insight, and to give you guidance in this life. Therefore, wisdom is needed. I hear what you're saying, young preacher. I can't trust my own intellect or my own intuition. I can't rely on my own heart or my head. I get what you're saying. But what is wisdom? Church, this wisdom isn't any type of wisdom. It's not a wisdom that you obtain from a book. It's not a wisdom that simply comes from experience. It's not a wisdom that you receive from all the schooling in this life. It's not a wisdom that you get from all the degrees that are hanging on the wall. No, this is a divine wisdom that comes from above. It is a supernatural wisdom that God gives his believers, that gives his children in order to deal with the complexities of this life. In fact, James is familiar with the wisdom literatures, and it shows in his writing. This is why scholars and theologians have labeled James as the proverb of the New Testament, The word wisdom derives from a Hebrew word hokmah and the Greek word sophia. The Hebraic understanding of wisdom is not just knowledge, but it is knowledge applied. This is why this wisdom is not from the world. The world's wisdom, you cannot compare the world's wisdom to God's wisdom. This wisdom is a special type of Wisdom. If I can give you a concise and succinct definition of wisdom, it is this. Wisdom is the skill and the art of living. James understood this concept of wisdom because of his Jewish background. He gleans from the Old Testament wisdom literature and he bears it on the mind of the people. The Bible says that The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. A lot of us have made some boneheaded mistakes in this life because we failed to have some wisdom. Scripture says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? There is a wealth of wisdom, saints, that God can give you and I, but we must ask. We must ask. We must ask our Father in heaven. We must ask him to give us this wisdom. A lot of us have head knowledge a lot of us are book smart but we lack wisdom and this is shown in how we live our lives and the type of decisions that we make we decided to hang out with the wrong crowd but the bible says that there are consequences for our actions when we are around the wrong people proverbs 115 says my son do not walk in the way with them, keep your feet from their path. That sounds like wisdom. You're contemplating on being with someone that is not your spouse, but the Bible says that the one who commits adultery with the woman is lacking sense. He will destroy him. He who he who does it will destroy himself. That sounds like. Wisdom, you keep going back and forth with an individual, but the Bible says, do not answer a fool according to his folly. That is indeed wisdom. But I thank God that in spite of our poor decisions and sins, God has granted us grace and mercy. And this is why God's wisdom and prayer are not diametrically opposed to each other. In order for you to have the wisdom of God, you must pray to God. This is why you see in the text the verb ask. It is a present active imperative which denotes that prayer for wisdom is not a suggestion, but it is a command. In fact, it literally says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, you must ask God. It is not a recommendation for the Christian. We must ask God for wisdom, persistently and perpetually. We must go before the throne room of God and ask for this wisdom. This wisdom will enable us to see our trials from God's perspective. The reason why some of you are going through trials is because you still have some heart issues. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And heart work requires hard work. And what God will do in the midst of our trials is that he will expose our sinfulness. Every failure, every accomplishment in life is a teachable moment for us. Perhaps there is something That you need to be doing. That the Lord is leading you to do. On the other hand. Maybe there is something that you should not be doing. And what God is doing. Is God is teaching and revealing something about ourselves. And let us not take that lightly. Don't simply see your trials for your good. But also see it for the glory of God. You know. If you have kids. Perhaps if you do have kids. Kids have mastered the art of persistency. When they want something, they will do whatever it takes to keep on asking you. Mommy, Daddy, I want a cookie. No. Mommy, Daddy, I want a cookie. No. Mommy, Daddy, can we go outside? Now right now, mommy, daddy, can, you go out? can we go outside? No. They'll keep asking you and keep saying to you and keep commanding you and say, can we have this? Can we have this? Can we have this? And sometimes as parents, you get so frustrated with your children that you're like, yes, go ahead and have what you want. And brothers and sisters, that is the same mindset, that is the same mentality that we have to have with God. He is our father, so we should constantly go before him and ask what we need. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened upon to you. The Bible says in James chapter 5 verses 16 that the effectual and fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. much. We must constantly go before God in prayer. We must constantly ask God. Ask God. To give us this wisdom because we need this wisdom. Fear, still tracking with me. The text continues and it says, Who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Look at God's generosity in the text. It is indeed an understatement when we Talk about how much God gives. God is a generous God. He is not one who has reservations about his children. Sometimes we are hesitant to ask God because of who he is. Think about it. We serve a big God. A God who has made a covenant with his people, a God who gave us the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. The same God that flung the stars in the heavens and separated the sea from the land. That's the God that we serve. We serve the God of the scriptures. The God, same God that gave a son to Abraham and Sarah at an old age. That's the God that we serve. The same God that gave Hezekiah an additional 15 years to live. That is the same God that we serve. The God who gave us his only son, as an offering to save humanity, that is the God that we serve. Same God that has given you breath in your body. That's the God that we serve. God is still in the business of giving. All we have to do is ask. Bible says in the same book in James chapter 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above. If God can give us another day to live, if God can give, give us material blessings and give us good health, then you better believe that God will give you wisdom in order to deal with your circumstances. Giving is not simply what God does. Giving is who God is. It is intrinsically embedded in God's nature. He gives because he is a giver. God does not think we are foolish, nor does he push us away whenever we ask of him. He doesn't cross his arms or turn his back on his children because we are asking something, asking him for something. No, he has both of his hands out, willing to give to those who ask as long as you ask in his will. God gives. God gives without any interest or reservations. He loves you. He cares for you. And because we have, the, uh, we have the right to be called the children of God, we have special privileges. All we have to do is go to our Father in heaven, and he will give us the wisdom in order to get through our trials. But not only do we see in verses 5 that we need to pray while acknowledging our need. But secondly, the second counsel, pray for wisdom while having the right attitude. Observe with me in verses 6 through 8. The text says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, if you're tracking with me in verses 6, verses 6 has an interesting word in it. James is not just saying to ask, but he's also added the words in faith. Spurgeon says that prayer is the slender Nerve that moveth the muscles of omnipotence. Prayer with faith moves God, but lacking faith, it will not. It does, when we, whenever we pray in faith and have know and have worry and doubt, it does not go together. There is a certain disposition and attitude that we must have as believers when it comes to our prayer life. God gives without reservations. Therefore, we must ask God without any reservations. And this is a common problem in our lives because we sometimes say something that we don't believe. You said you were going to go back to school to finish that degree, but you still haven't registered for your classes. You said that you were going to apply for that new position at your job, but you still haven't done it. Brothers and sisters, don't say something that you don't believe. In this case, don't go to God without any faith. The opposite of faith is doubt. God doesn't want to see the inconsistency of faith and doubt lingering in your heart. Faith and doubt are like oil and water. They just don't go together. And the scripture says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is what we need in order to receive wisdom from God. and We should not let doubt creep into our hearts. The doubt that James uses describes a person who is divided. It is a person who says yes to faith on one hand, but goes back and says yes to doubt as well. In fact, the text says, For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, Driven and tossed by the wind. Now, this is a fascinating illustration that James paints. James is probably reminded of the Lake of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe. He's reminded of how the waters would go back and forth because of the wind. The constant moving and misdirection of the waters reminded reminded James of how we can be when we don't have faith person that has no faith has no wisdom in their life as a person that is unstable and unsettled the bible says truly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass I'm pretty sure some of you are thinking about a certain person in your life that is unsettled but we need to be thinking about ourselves There are times in our lives where doubt has infiltrated our hearts, which resulted in a lack of faith. We say that we are Christians, but we live our lives like atheists. We pray and live our lives as if God doesn't exist. Doubting is contrary to faith. Whenever we doubt, we are essentially doubting who God is and what he has done. Our disbelief clouds our ability to see God's goodness and God's grace in our lives. Whenever we doubt, we disregard God's promises. Whenever we go to God in prayer and ask for wisdom, we will not be able to receive from him because of our lack of faith. It's easier said than done, yes. We are going through this suffering and we are going through this pain. It's not easy. But let's not put our confidence in what we see, but let's, let us put our hope in the one we serve. We could have avoided, we could have avoided a lot of headache if we would have prayed with faith. We have a hard time getting through our trials because we are not praying with faith. We are walking in accordance to the flesh. But we are saints. We are children of God. We are the people of God. We have faith. And therefore, because we have faith, we should pray with faith. The text, that's why the text continues and it says, for that man ought not to receive anything. From the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Rejection happens whenever our doubt trumps our faith. God won't give to us if we are constantly in doubt. Our disposition should be a disposition of faith, not doubt. Uh, And the word double-minded refers back to verses 6 with the illustration of the sea. But what James does is he goes a bit further. It's not just someone who is unstable, but a person who is double-souled. A person, it's a person who is facing both directions. It's a person that's facing to the left, and at the same time, he is facing to the right. It's an indecisive individual. That is a double-minded person, and they are unstable in all of their ways. And The Lord tells us to live a life of faith. Have faith in what the Lord is doing in your life. Let faith drive our prayers. God will give us wisdom if we go to him in Prayer. We cannot live this life without Christ. We need Him. And God has given us the means of grace, which is prayer, a means of grace, which is prayer. And we need to use that means in order to get through our trials in this life. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I can make my request be made known to God. You see, if you don't use the means that God has given you, then you will not be able to get through your trials. The plights and the predicaments of this life will drive us down to our knees and have us crying out to God. As you go through your trials, be reminded that God can give us wisdom in order to respond to them. Church, God did not promise a trouble-free life, nor a life that is absent from pain. We are often and naturally inclined to run away from God when we are going through our suffering. Yet, whenever we are going through our suffering, whenever we are going through this through, uh, through this valley of suffering do not run away from God but in fact you need to run towards God you need to draw closer to God James says in chapter 4 verses 8 draw near to God and he will draw near to you God will sometimes leave you in that valley of suffering instead of getting you out of it. And this is why James makes the argument that in order for us to go through our trials, you need the wisdom of God. Church, I'm thankful that God doesn't leave me empty handed in the midst of my storm. I'm grateful that he will. He is a God who keeps his promises. The Bible says that all of the promises of God are yes and amen. God is not one who will turn his back on his children. He will grant us the wisdom if we simply ask. This is why... We need to pray for wisdom while acknowledging our need. We also need to pray for wisdom while having the right attitude. The wisdom of God will enable us to go through our trials and see them from God's perspective. Wisdom is the skill and the art of living. And if you want to respond rightly to to your trials then we need to be strategic and skillful. And that's why the Bible says that we need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I find it, I find it amazing when a person is able to take a hook and a soul and put it together to create a peace Of crochet. They are able to skillfully use their hands to go in and out without any difficulties or mishaps. Brothers and sisters, I pray that our lives are the same way. Whenever we encounter trials, by the wisdom of God, we will be able to skillfully deal with our situation. I like what Trimper Longman the Third said. He said this, wisdom is a quality that would help the fledging church navigate the turbulent waters of persecution. We cannot live the Christian life without wisdom. Perhaps you are in a situation right now where you need God's wisdom. Maybe you're going through some difficulty in your marriage. You need God's Wisdom. Perhaps you have a family member in your, in your life that is giving you problems. You need wisdom. Maybe you're about to send your children off to school and you're worried. Just ask for God's protection and God's wisdom. Ask God for wisdom and God will give it to you. You need the wisdom of God. You know what's interesting is you can't Receive wisdom if you don't know who wisdom is. You can't receive the wisdom of God without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of you who are listening think you are wise in your sight, but the Bible says for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Listen, Jesus is indeed the wisdom of God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 verses 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You can't receive if you don't know who wisdom is. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Listen, Burton Memorial Baptist Church, I'm thankful that that this wisdom is the captain of my ship and the pilot of my plane. Because I know he will navigate me through the trials of this life. But I'm even more grateful that this wisdom, who is Jesus Christ, died on the cross to those who would believe. Can you testify that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God? Will you receive him today? This wisdom that was bruised and that was beaten for our sins. Will you repent of your sins today? This Jesus who walked the dusty roads of Nazareth for our sins. Will you believe in him? Will you trust him today? This Jesus will one day come back. Will you confess him today? All you have to do is turn from your sins and place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and he will save you from the wrath of God and he will save you from your sins. In spite of everything that is going on in this world, we need Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And Jesus, most importantly, can save you from your sins. He is the only hope. He is the only hope for a dark and dying world. May the Lord bless you. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for... Your grace and your mercy, we just thank you for your word. We ask that you uh, bless us, Lord, immensely, and that we will not simply just be hearers of the word, but that we will be doers of your word, Lord, and that we will apply your word in our hearts for the purpose of spiritual formation. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Amen.